0: The stars are right, and that means it's time for another episode of The Whisper in Darkness. I'm your host, The Man from Lang. Thank you very much for joining me today. On this episode, we are continuing with our review of the player cards in the Dunwich Legacy Investigator expansion for the benefit of new players. This is part two of our review of the rogue cards. We're going to take a look at Contraband, Think on Your Feet, Double or Nothing, and Quick Thinking. There are spoilers throughout if you care about that sort of thing. If you enjoy what you hear, remember to like, comment, and subscribe. Just a quick reminder of how we rate cards here on the Whisperer in Darkness. The best of the best get an Elder Sign, while the worst of the worst get an Auto Fail, and the cards in between get a plus one, zero, or Elder Thing respectively. Cards that you build around or are good in one particular deck get a blessed token, while cards we believe are destined for the list of taboos or are simply bad for the game get a Curse token. Before we get started, I'd like to thank the patrons of this channel for their tremendous support. The Arkham Horror LCG community is amazing and these people have gone above and beyond to bring you content like these player card reviews. If you'd like to support the channel's goals and see your name on this list, head over to Patreon.com, sign up for a tier of your choice and claim your rewards. That would be awesome. Special thanks to Cole Monroe Chitty for the amazing art that graces the channel, Nicole Fiscus for the new Whisper in Darkness logo that I use for the podcast, and Nate Lost in Time and Space for the intro as well as the overlays. Thank you very much. I couldn't do it without you. Without further ado, let's get started. We are back with our review of the player cards in the Dunwich Legacy Investigator expansion for the benefit of new players. This is part two of our look at the rogue cards in the box. We're going to start off with an event. This is Contraband, four cost event that has willpower and intellect skill icons, supply and illicit trait. Choose an asset controlled by an investigator at your location. Double the number of ammo or supply tokens on that asset. Man, oh man, forecost cost is uh, pretty expensive.
1: I've tried this one in the past, and I think the, main, the one problem I've had with contraband is that it says double the number of ammo or tokens on that asset. So the problem is if the, let's say you're trying to reload a gun, if that gun has one bullet left, You're getting one bullet out of contraband. Yeah, if it let you, like, add a number of tokens equal to, like, the original token amount, that would be pretty cool. Yeah. But as it stands, eh. Yeah,
2: it's basically a brick in your hand, too, if you don't have a weapon. Mm -hmm. Because it doesn't even have good skill icons, so you can't even really effectively use it outside of its intended purpose. Like I, I assume that the combo with contraband with what the designer's had in mind was using it with the typewriter. Oh, okay. Or maybe yeah. maybe the lightning gun or something, where mm-hmm. those extra ammunitions really, you know, pack a punch behind them, but I think as it's it's just too expensive for what you get out of it and it's way too situational because of it.
1: Yeah, I agree. And also the um the rogue in the set, Jenny. She's got the twin 45s, but the thing about the twin 45s is you don't need contraband to double the twin 45s because often if, if you're Jenny and you save up a lot of money and you're thinking, oh, I'll play twin 45s, then I'll double the ammo, you're talking way too much ammo. Like, the game's going to be over before you've shot 10 bullets. And if you have to mm-hmm. shoot more than 10 bullets, something's Yikes. gone wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, even consider
2: it in Jenny, right? Where it's like... It do- sure, it doubles the amount of ammo, but like at what resource count do you find that to be an effective strategy versus just spending the extra four?
1: Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And you know, I've played a lot of Jenny and I've had scenarios where I've gone through twelve bullets and I'm glad but that's that was more a credit to the twin forty fives themselves rather than like needing contraband to double the bullets in order to be able right. to get up to twelve. Right. Yeah. I can see this working in like Zoe. If, um, yeah, in order to double the lightning gun.
2: But even in Zoe, you get extra ammo. And that's oh yeah, if you've got extra ammunition, just use yeah. that.
1: Yeah. That's true. If you've got extra ammunition, just use that. Yeah, you don't need contraband.
0: I think the biggest problem with this card is twofold. One, it's very expensive. So even if you play your big gun plus this, you're looking at a pile of resources, even for a rogue like Jenny to to mm-hmm. to fork over. And the other is timing, I mean, ideally, you want to play this when your gun is full already, which means you probably want to play it as soon as possible after playing the gun. And if you're trying to contraband any of the big guns in this game, you've already laid out a ton of resources, and then you've got to lay out even more. Before you start shooting before you start shooting yeah you can't yeah. even you, i mean to to maximize this you need to play the gun for a bunch of resources then play this for a bunch of resources in order to get the the maximum value and i just think that the timing and the cost it's just between the two of them it, it's just too much for for a lot of investigators to to bear i mean i have seen this played to good effect in multiplayer, where there was, I think, less pressure on you to actually have to do something. It's just like, okay, I have the time to play my gun. Okay, I have the time to play Contraband. I find that when I'm playing solo, I just don't have the time to be, or the resources, really, to pull off this this sort of combo. Now, there is a level 2 upgrade for this card in the Return to the Dunwich Legacy that reduces the cost to 3, And gives you the option of adding two two ammo tokens and drawing a card or doubling. So a little more versatile in that respect. I'm still not sure that's enough to make the card generally playable. But if you enjoy contraband and you are able to get good use out of it, there is a, a cheaper option if you have the XP to spare. How would we rate this one?
2: I'm going to give this, I think within the context of Cor and Dunwich, this is an auto-fail. I do think you could maybe justify bumping it up to an Elder Thing once your card pool expands, but it's just so expensive, and like you were saying, like it, it needs to be played at the right time as well, which really just hampers this card's usability.
1: Yeah, I want to... I can see what the designers are going for here in a deck that has by releasing, say, Joey. You've got Liquid Courage, which uses supplies. You've got Lone Wolf, which gives you resources. And then you've got Contraband to convert those resources into supplies or ammo. Like, I see what they're going for here, but would I ever play this? Now, if you've got extra ammunition, just use that instead. Yeah, I'll give this an auto-fail as well.
0: As much as I dislike this card, I'm gonna give it an Elder Thing. I think if you do manage to play this, it will do something which is more than you can say about some of the cards that get auto fails i really hate the cost on this one and the timing issues but i don't know how many ammo you need to get out of this to make it worth your while like if you're playing a rogue like jenny or skids the problem is skids can take extra ammunition which is i think probably better so you're sort of left with somebody like jenny or you're playing it out of class I mean, maybe if you get two doubled, two, you get four. Like you're, you get up to, you have two ammo and then you double that to four. Maybe that's enough. But yeah, I'm, I'll give it an Elder Thing, but man, oh man, this is teetering on the edge for me to, to get an (laughs) auto fail. And and personally, yeah, personally, I, I haven't played this card in ages in solo. It's just way too expensive and, timing issues are are problematic especially if you draw this toward the end of a scenario and your gun is basically empty i'm not playing this for one ammo you know i think you need to get at least two or three out of it
1: and even then, keep in mind dynamite blast exists and dynamite blast is five and that can deal way more damage than like ammo can
0: The next card is Think On Your Feet. It is a one-cost event with intellect and agility skill icons and the trick trait. Fast play when an enemy would spawn at your location. Immediately move to a connecting location. The enemy still spawns at your previous location. Thoughts on Think On Your Feet?
2: This card is pretty tough to evaluate. There are times when an effect like this could be really useful... Say you need to just get the heck out of somewhere and an enemy spawns in you, and you use this to get closer to the location with a resign ability. Sure. Other times, though, you're usually ending your turn on a location for a reason, and then having to flip flop to another location sort of puts a damper in your initial plans. I mean, that being said, it does give you some breathing room, which is really nice. Being able to, like, play this and then play a gun and then move in and attack the enemy could be mm-hmm. a solid option. But I don't know how often this type of effect comes up and how often you would actually want it, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah. In fact, we can actually hold this side by side to a Shortcut, which is just like, that was, an, that was an Elder Sign in our reviews. Because Shortcut just works. Think on your feet. It costs more than a shortcut, and it's limited as to when you can play. When you can play it. So what happened? What can often happen with think on your feet is that let's say you're trying to investigate a location. It's got one or two clues left. Enemy spawns. Do you really want to use think on your feet? Because you could just evade the enemy and keep investigating. But then again, how tough is that? Is that enemy to evade? Like this. This is kind of rough, actually. I can see there being a decent use for this in Rex Murphy. Because if you're in like multiplayer and you draw an enemy, the Guardian happens to be at your location as well. Rex can play Think on Your Feet, and it's kind of like he just free action evaded the thing, and then the Guardian who wants to fight enemies, say Zoe, gets to engage instead. So I can see something like that working, but 100% of the time I would take Shortcut first, though, because Shortcut just works, and it's like one of the best cards in the game.
0: This one has the trick trait, and I think that's very fitting for. For this type of card i think there are some really big brained plays you could make with this but it's also challenging to do that for the reasons you've already stated that often you're at you're ending your turn at a location for a reason you either need to get clues or there's some sort of ability you want to trigger there and so an enemy dropping on you and you leaving before you've actually accomplished your objective at that location even if it's fast, it just doesn't work. I mean, maybe this works better in multiplayer, like you said, catastrophic, where somebody other than the Guardian gets the enemy, and you don't want it, so you leave, and then the enemy naturally engages somebody else at that location, so you're sort of moving away, so you're getting some value out of it. You're saving the guardian or whoever is in charge of enemy management that action in order to engage the enemy off of you.
1: What does this do that elusive doesn't already do?
0: Yeah, I mean it's it's tough. I feel like this. I remember playing. You know, when the when Dunwich Legacy was first released, I put this in a lot of decks, and then it slowly no longer made the cut. I feel like there are good things you can do with it, but the number of situations where it comes into, where this card is relevant is is pretty small. There is a level two upgrade in the uh, Return to the Dunwich Legacy. If, uh, if you do like this effect, there is an upgrade for it.
1: Oh, the upgrade actually does have a decent use. So one thing Elusive doesn't do that the level two upgrade, I think on your feet does do is prevents a hunter from hitting you after it's moved into your space. The level two upgrade does do that because um, it's whenever an enemy enters your your location. So if the hunter enters your location, there is a window, you know, you get to play think on your feet level two to get away from the hunter before it hits you. So there is that narrow use that that one has level two, two xp is a lot to do it is a lot for it but it does have that use
0: i i guess one of the advantages of this is that it works against any enemy so elite non-elite doesn't care about that so mm-hmm. if you're playing something like Miskatonic Museum, where the hunting horror spawns on you, you can get away from it. Unfortunately, the hunting horror has Hunter, so you really haven't solved the issue at all. Like Maybe if this exhausted the enemy on your way out, that would be good to give you a little yes. bit of extra time.
1: Yeah, and then you can help your friends too. That, that would actually be pretty decent, and that is also something that Elusive doesn't already do. Because Elusive effectively does the same thing that this does, because you spawn the enemy in the Mythos phase, you put it on you, and then whenever you want you can elusive away and so it's something you can do proactively elusive whereas this you have to do it only reactively and only like when the enemy is drawn at a good time at a time that is convenient for you
0: yeah i'm trying to think of other scenarios later in the game where this might be might be anytime useful, there's an it's... enemy
1: that has an on engage effect it could dodge that because it prevents engagement
0: yeah maybe the deep ones in uh in the enigma conspiracy there they all have an on engage effects so that might be might be helpful I, ju- I just find as a solo player like so often you're ending your turn at a low... like you the typical turn would be like grab clue move grab clue or move grab clue move to another location that has a clue that you're planning to grab the next turn and usually you're dealing with the location sequentially. So moving away and then having to move back. And I mean, maybe this works in somebody like Rex, if you're playing seeking answers or something like that, it's just like, Hey, I I, I get away. I seeking answers or later, if you're playing one of the mystic rogues like Safina or um, Dexter, where you can move away. Sixth sense. Or try to Sixth Sense the clue. Like, the problem is Sixth Sense isn't entirely reliable in that respect. So, how would we rate this one?
2: I've never really honestly played this card very much. So, I, d- I can't really speak for, for how useful it can be. So, I think that ultimately winds up being an Elder thing. I just think it's really, really niche and where you would find utility in this card. If it had two matching icons, I'd be willing to almost bump it up to his, especially if it had two intellect icons and give it a zero
1: <laughs> yeah but as it stands i'm gonna give it an elder thing i think with elusive in the core set I, I, i'm gonna give this a tentacle i just don't see myself playing this over elusive except in like the very very niche scenarios you know, like with enemies with on and gauge effects but because elusive basically does what this does but it's more broad and applies to much more and it can be used proactively which is very important so i think i'm gonna give this a tentacle
0: i really want to like this card more than i do i think it's it's i mean i like the art i think it's neat but yeah after i put this in my decks for a while and then it just no longer made the cut and i haven't played it in years i think at this point and it just doesn't see the light of day maybe it has uses in multiplayer that i'm not seeing because i don't play multiplayer all that often i guess i'm willing to give this an elder thing but again here's another card i think that's hanging on by its fingernails before plummeting into the the depths of uh of the tentacle when i when i think about cards that that i play often i've done pretty well in the game without this card and without this effect so I don't think this would have won me many more games than...
1: That is actually a larger um, question, and also I think a larger um, bit of advice for um, players who are relatively new to Darkham Horror, that every effect you do put in there, every card, it's worth considering what else could have been in that card slot, in that in that deck slot. And this is why, at least in in my own personal view, that cards that are proactive tend to make the cut, in my case more often than cards that are entirely reactive, such as this one, because I could use the proactive card to like push things forward, no matter what the situation looks like, or in a majority of situations, or something like think on your feet, you've got to wait for the right situation to come up. It might be a wonder, it might be a wonderful, wonderful effect when that situation comes up, but if you can't really engineer it, then you're going to have a card that's going to be dead in your hand. And it does, and like Nate said, if it had, more than one icon of the same you know type then it would find new life as like a skill card kind of but it doesn't
0: yeah i think the best case for this card is if you say you go to a location you do your business there and you're ready to leave yeah but your turn ends you have to survive a mythos phase you draw an enemy you're like well i was leaving anyway so away you go like that's that's when this is a big win i don't know how often like i've i've never kept track of how often this situation has come up in my game so it's it's mm-hmm. difficult to recommend putting this card in your deck for that specific situation but you know something like extracurricular activity if you end up in the uh, the faculty office you've killed the enemy there you've grabbed the clue you're planning to head back to the dormitories you draw an enemy, it's just like, okay, well, I was going to leave anyway, so you know, hurrah. Uh maybe but then
1: you could you could elusive. Elusive does that too. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> That's true. So yeah. yeah, there there's already a better card, I think, available to do this effect most of the time. So maybe an elder thing is being a little charitable, but Give it a try, see how it works. If it uh, if it doesn't uh, work for you, well, there, there are other options. The next card we're going to talk about is Double or Nothing. If you follow the list of taboos, this is the only banned card in the Arkham Horror LCG. It has one wild skill icon, the fortune trait, max one committed per skill test, double the difficulty of this skill test if this skill test is successful resolve the effects of the successful test twice now if you're anything like me when i first saw this card i remember feeling like well why would i ever want to play this because doubling the difficulty of a skill test is a huge impediment unfortunately doubling the difficulty of the skill test is not a huge impediment for most investigators. And so you are simply suffering no ill effect to double the effects of the skill test, and this can get ridiculously abusive very, very quickly.
2: Yeah, I mean, we could make a whole episode just talking about all the silly combos that you can do with double or nothing, most of which are in multiplayer. I feel like this card was probably designed in, like, two-player solo and in those formats this card feels a lot more fair but once you get into three or four player that shotgun blast all of a sudden is dealing absurd amounts of damage
1: (laughs) yeah it seems like um if you use it like casually if you use it innocently then um it seems like a lot of fun okay so you double the shroud of something from two to four and you get two clues seems fine right you know like it's kind of like a deduction in that case except you know it could be used to deal two damage on a punch, you know, or four damage on a shot. And, you know, it's also kind of fun, you know, it's like, it solidifies the rogue as being like the gambler, you know, it's like, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make my test, I'm gonna willingly make my test tougher to accomplish more out of it, which is kind of a cool concept that Arkham doesn't do very much. Right. Like you can willingly increase the difficulty on your test in order to accomplish an additional effect. It's kind of like a backdoor into the succeed by two mechanic. Mm. You know, where it's like you're aiming higher. Yeah. But if you use this thing innocently, then I think it's a fine card. Play around with it. Have a good time. It's when you start resolving all the effects of a successful kill test twice, when you start doubling your vicious blows and you start doubling your quick thinkings, which I believe is why this thing actually got forbidden in the first place, because of double quick thinking, I think. So when you start, it's when you start doubling Dr. Maul and Christopher and perception and double double deduction that's when this thing gets out of control is when you start piling on lots of uh, skill cards onto the effect to create this massive double or nothing 10 damage 18 clues 37 action infinite combo that you could actually get with double or nothing but you know what play with it use it innocently you know just just don't try to just don't try to cheese it and it's fine like a lot of cards in arkham horror don't cheese it and it's fine
0: Yeah, I think think you hit the nail on the head there, Matastrophic. I mean, obviously this card leans into the gambling theme for rogues. And if you were really gambling, it would be fine. Unfortunately, (laughs) when you play this card, you're not gambling 90% of the time. You are playing this just to be abusive. And, I mean, I've seen this played in combination with some cards to, like, clear... 10 clues off a location in one action and do ridiculous amounts of damage to enemies and and stuff like that and it's you would think that yeah the doubling of the difficulty of the skill test reigns this in but the investigators who are playing this card or hoping that this card will be played during that skill test are already ready for that they know it's coming you've set this up like, we're going to kill the boss, and here's how we're going to do it. I'm going to use the shotgun. You're going to play double or nothing, and we're going to kill it in one or two shots. And so the the cost on this card is rarely relevant. If you're just playing it for kicks... Sure, doubling the difficulty of the skill test if you're not prepared for it could be a major problem, but most investigators who are expecting this to be played are more than ready to deal with the the doubling of yeah. the difficulty. So ultimately, the cost of this card just doesn't end up mattering in the skill tests where you want to play it.
2: Yeah, I was going to say, what Matt had brought up earlier about anything that raises the difficulty of a skill test, those cards have always been busted. <laughs> All of them have been busted. Literally, <laughs> double or nothing and drawing thin are both either mutated oh, or right. forbidden. That's <laughs> right.
1: That's right. Yeah, because you you cheese it, you know. Because with drawing thin, it was you intend you fit, you combine it with effects that trigger off of failing anyway. So yeah, go ahead, make the skill test as tough as you want. I'm I'm planning to fail anyway, and then you combo it all together. Oh yeah, once again, drawing thin also involved comboing a lot of cards together to. Um, overcome, turn the downside into an upside, which I think is also a similar thread with a lot of uh, overpowered cards. Well, like truly yeah. overpowered cards, is whenever you can turn the downside into an upside, you're you're on to something really cheesy. I yeah. got like a whole nachos grande over there. <laughs> but if if what you're doing here is you're trying to say, okay, I want to, I I'm playing a rogue and I've got my. And like maybe I'm playing Jenny and I've got my magnifying glass and I've got and I, I've got a perception in hand and uh, okay so I double the difficulty of this investigation test from two to four and I put the perception in there and I, I and then I try to get two clues like yeah innocent fun go for it if you're trying to create an infinite combo to give yourself infinite actions maybe, maybe don't do that <laughs> maybe, maybe <laughs> do it in solo do it in solo <laughs> don't subject your friends to that. <laughs>
0: yeah this this card was central to the old uh wendy Adams deck that could kill the uh kill the experiment you were doubling your, you were attacking the experiment with a fire axe i believe and then doubling the damage and throwing a whole bunch of stuff into the test and again you know sure you All were back. doubling the difficulty of the test and you were committing enough cards to simply clear whatever the double was uh, whatever the number ended up being it was mm-hmm. The the number, the difficulty of the skill test was basically irrelevant by the time everybody gets their, you know, commits their cards to this in, yeah. in multiplayer. So, yeah, it goes without saying, this one is busted. It gets a curse token. <laughs> I mean, being the only banned card in the game on the list of taboos. If you're not playing with the list of taboos and you are willing to play, accomplish minor effects with this, sure, you can play with it, but... More often than not, you're using this to accomplish some big grand plan, and you'll just end up breaking the game at that point. The final card we're going to look at in this batch is Quick Thinking. It is a skill that has one will one wild skill icon and eight trait. If this skill test is successful by two or more after it resolves, you, imme- you may immediately take an action as if it were your turn, this action does not count toward the number of actions you can take each turn. Speaking of cards that ended up on the list of taboos, uh, Quick Thinking is one of them. I believe it has been limited to once per round, yeah. if I'm not mistaken. Again, this was one of those cards you throw into that double or nothing test.
1: <laughs> to get two extra actions. To get That's two right.
0: extra actions. <laughs> uh, this one is... Uh, somewhat uh, i guess it is unique in that it lets you take actions outside of your turn which is uh very rare and unusual uh the innate trait does come in handy later once you pick up silas marsh uh, he can play this card and i've played it to very good effect to get uh, to get extra actions uh what do you guys think about this one
2: i both love and hate this card i Ooh. i love it because it's it's very powerful. It's very good, huh. but I hate it because I feel like it just constricts skill design. Huh. In rogue specifically because I mean, what what better thing to do than get free actions, right?
1: Mhm.
2: You know, so like how do you make a skill card that's on comparable power level to something like quick thinking?
1: Oh, I get you. Okay. You know, that's so
2: it saying. it sort of it sort of just sets a bad design precedent in that way, yeah. but it is a really cool card if you're yeah. using it innocently, but it's just, it's one of those cards that just begs to be abused.
1: Yeah, and um, as a little bit of Arkham history, it was the combo of Double or Nothing and, and Quick Thinking, along with a bunch of other stuff, but that's, you can see how that would get out of control when you Double or Nothing, your Quick Thinking to get two extra actions, and then you do it again to get another two extra actions, and you can kind of see where it grows from there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, personally, I've used quick thinking to pretty good effects. It's only one wild, so it only adds one to the skill test. But then you're also aiming to succeed by two, and quick thinking is a card that lets you. It lets you be like skids for a moment, where you can kind of pull, you know, pull the party's ass out of the fire by um, taking an additional action whenever it leads us. It's very uniquely rogue in that you can kind of like cheat the turn order in order to uh, accomplish something, even if it's something as simple as an additional movement. You know, that can be, like, really important for, like, coordinating a series of uh, actions that lets you go from you're all hosed and this is the last turn of the game to actually pulling it out of the fire. I've used this card to pretty good effect a lot. I really like it. And it also, um, it really rewards you for leading into the succeed by two play style, which is something that gets more, um, more and more support as time goes on. I mean, it's basic use. Using this to uh, combine with uh, lockpicks because you want to succeed by two on lockpicks anyway. I've used this a lot on turns when I need to shoot things with the Derringer, especially level two, because the Derringer, if you uh, hit the level two Derringer, if you hit by three or more, you get an additional action. And then you also throw on quick thinking to get an additional action. And that's how someone like Jenny Barnes, I may have played this deck quite a bit. uh, Someone like Jenny Barnes can like actually take down big enemies with small shots. Is by getting a bunch of shots and quick thinking and the derringer how you get there
0: it is unique in that it it does allow you to take actions outside of the normal investigation phase so if you're playing this in solo you commit this during the mythos phase to a skill test and you get an action during the mythos phase if you're playing in multiplayer you commit this to another investigator skill test and you get to take an action during their turn I guess the number of things you can do with that is is really situational it just depends yep. what's going on at the time whether that's actually going to be useful or not but the fact that it does open that door to those sorts of things allows you to make really cool plays it's just like hey we I needed to be investigate this location over here this turn and suddenly hey I'm over there now because I got that free move during the mythos phase and I'm ready to take my turn or uh, in multiplayer, you know, it's like you went first, you did something. I played quick thinking. I took an action. We solved a problem that was going to happen. Like I needed to engage this enemy off you or something like that. Suddenly quick thinking comes in and you're able to, to accomplish something that you wouldn't normally be able to do. And yeah, it does get, once you start, you know, double or nothing and, and stuff like that, and you're able to start looping this thing and getting more extra actions, you can quickly see how double or nothing and, and cards like this get get problematic. I think typically this is one of the the taboos that I do play with. I don't, I I use this as a max once per round. I think even even though I don't tend to play with a lot of the, the list of taboos, this is one of them I stick with because it just sort of makes mm-hmm. sense. How would you guys rate this one?
2: Now, this one's tough for me because I really enjoy playing this card, but I also don't enjoy the precedent that it sets as far as design goes. And they clearly saw that when they they put it on the taboo list. But even still, <laughs> you still like having to like compare all other rogue skills to a skill like this, which I don't care for as much. Uh, I mean, that being said, I'll give it. I'll give it an Elder Sign, but it's tentative. I do think it's really good and it's obviously very powerful, but my issues more just stem from it sort of just kind of brute forcing the issue. Like we've talked about a lot of the time, like so many, so many cards just sort of give you things rather than like Um, making you, like making you do things in another way that would be profitable. Something like seeking answers. You know, where it doesn't inherently give you more actions, it just lets you do something that you wouldn't normally be able to do.
1: Right, because Whereas, of positioning in the case of seeking answers. Yeah. Right,
2: yeah. Whereas Quick Thinking is just it's it's cool that it lets you break turn order, which I think would be a interesting design space that they could explore, but as it's written, it's sort of just it's just a very abusable card, which I don't care for as much.
1: Yeah, I see what I, I see your point there about um you know, about Cards that can, not force creativity but encourage creativity. Now I think, um, given the card pool we have, I think quick thinking kind of actually helps encourage creativity because you can start, because you can break the turn order and you can do some weird plays, like um, being able to engage something while it's not your turn, or you know investigate when it's not your turn. Um, Most commonly, like I like I think I've mentioned, I've used it to um, take down a big enemy, with in multiple shots, um, because I get an extra action to finish it off um and then i'm kind of using it kind of like a uh uh level 2 derringer to do that um i'm going to give this thing an elder and elder sign because it's um it's very much in the rogue's identity at this point in the game, in the card pool you get extra actions you can do weird stuff and um i think if you're playing jenny or skids or um yeah if you're playing jenny or skids especially i think it it kind of this is kind of right in their wheelhouse that being said um rex can use this thing very very well um, so can Zoe when fighting large enemies because, you know, she can get that extra action off of this.
0: I think this, uh, this skill remains even to this day, one of the stronger skills in the rogue card pool. I'm going to give it an elder sign. I do, I do like this. I'm glad they added the, the max once per round to, to tone it down a bit, just to prevent, uh, people from, from abusing it, especially with some of the other extra action cards that, uh, that we'll get, uh, down. We'll take a look at down the road in in three aces or no.
1: Oh yeah. Ace What's, in the hole.
0: Ace in the hole. Sorry. I know there were, you know, back in the day, there were decks floating around that were just taking, you know, playing double or nothing and ending up with so many actions that, uh, it was really, uh, degenerate in that way but i don't i don't really have a an issue with this one it is awfully nice in once you get to play silas because uh, of the innate trait and silas's uh elder sign ability this can be in your discard pile you get to commit it to a skill test after you pull an elder sign and suddenly you're getting an extra action out of the deal which is pretty pretty sweet but uh yeah i mean i think the designers recognized this was Somewhat problematic, and and reined it in. Unlike something like Double or Nothing, where it was just like I'm not sure what they could do to to bring that back into to use mm-hmm. because it's just if you're playing something like Double or Nothing, you are trying to break the game. Usually, you're not playing to be fair. That's going to do it for part two of our look at the rogue cards in the Dunwich Legacy Investigator expansion. Let us know in the comments down below what you think. Any final thoughts?
2: And what a mixed bag. It feels oh, like yeah. like they they were really trying to figure out the rogue's identity, and yeah. on some cards they pushed the dial all the way to 11, and on other ones they kept it at 1, and it's very strange.
1: Yeah. It's kind of interesting how, think on your feet, double or nothing, and quick thinking, like how they're kind of similar and they're given rogues extra effects and extra actions but they're doing it in different ways with like wildly different results you know like and overall we've had a couple of stinkers and we had a couple of cards that are kind of crazy yeah when, when pushed pretty hard but it yet also kind of kind of core to the rogues identity at this stage of the game
0: I think the strangest thing is that uh, Double or Nothing didn't end up being a seeker card because that's <laughs> that would just be par for the course at this stage of the game, but uh, yes, oh, a, man. a rare curse token for the uh, for the rogues. There might be another one down their way. We'll we'll wait and see on that one. But yeah, it's the rogue card pool. I think at the beginning of this game was they really hadn't figured out sort of yeah. what the rogue's identity was, and so you sort of end up all over the place with a card like contraband on one hand that clearly was intended to be played by rogues who have money to spare and so paying for resources is not a big issue but it turns out i think being more of a mental issue for players where they just look at the card and they're like this costs four resources why would i ever play this and then something like um, quick thinking on the other hand which is just very very solid perhaps a Mm -hmm. little too solid at times but the ability to play to get an extra action is still very much in the rogue color pie at this point so it uh, it's nice to have that's gonna do it for this episode if you enjoyed what you hear remember to like comment and subscribe if you need to contact me i can be reached at man from lang at gmail.com i'm also on twitter at manfromlang. lang until the stars are right keep your shotgun close and your elder sign closer take care out there and happy investigating